Guardadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. My name is Blue, and I am a dad without borders. Hello and welcome back to the show and sorry for the tardiness this week. I like to get the episode out on a Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, It's Saturday and well, busy family life, sickness and things like that. And I just came back from the skate park. So I just wanted to share some thoughts around the skate park because I know through friends of mine who also have kids Uh, that they haven't ever really thought about going to the skate park. And one friend in particular, when he finally started taking his two kids around the same age, so probably six and eight, something around there, um, when he started taking them to the skate park, he was amazed at how fun it was, how accessible and how friendly an atmosphere it was there. Um, Scooters particularly are really great for, you know, your two and a half plus... um, you know, maybe up to five, six age, just to get them started in the skate park on wheels. Um, My kid's really into his run bike. So he has a scooter. He has a three-wheel scooter, so it's pretty stable. I put pads on him, and he's got a helmet. He wears his bike helmet in there because he's only three, well, he's just over three. He's three and two or three months here. Um, And so, yeah, it's just a really fun destination in the mornings before it gets busy so skate parks the world over if you go there between 9 and 11 something like that in the morning unlikely the teenagers the teenagers are in bed until 12 anyway so you have the mornings where it's usually pretty mellow especially at the weekend um and so yeah it's just a great place to go they get really used to like balance and they get really get into their body and movement in a way that challenges them in what I think is a pretty safe environment. Um, you do have to have some boundaries around certain areas, but in general, it's yeah, it's a pretty safe place. Um, so we just went down there today, and he's on his run bike, and he's learning. He did a big drop today uh, down a ramp, concrete ramp, which was a little steeper than he's done before. But yeah, he's getting really good at turning, So when he's ready for a pedal bike, which undoubtedly will be probably this summer, probably in a couple, two or three months, I think we'd probably try him on the on the pedal bike when he's ready. But he's loving the run bike and it's fantastic. We're lucky. It's two blocks. So we jump on the bikes um, and head down there. So for me in a skate park, I'm one of those dads that really wants to be, or parents, I should say, one of those parents that wants to be really involved. And so I don't want to just stand on the side drinking a coffee. If that's you, go for it. It's all good. No judgment. Um, you know, parents standing on the sidelines is fine. Uh, but for me, I just wanted to get in there. So I actually bought a $100 BMX. It's a decent BMX. And so I can get in there, roll around with him. 
um, and they really love you being in there and engaging with them. And then you can set up really fun little challenges, very simple tasks uh, for them to try. And you can do it too. Uh, so I actually strap the skateboard onto the backpack as well. So I take all the snacks and water and all those things and extra clothing and I take the skateboard. So I strap that on and that just gives me some extra challenge as well because I like being on a skateboard and I'm still learning. And so for me, it's really fun. I feel really comfortable on a skateboard now. And so I'm getting to play while he's getting to play too. And we're together doing it you know, sharing that experience. So don't be afraid of a skate park. If you're a parent that's never been to the skate park and you have young kids, consider getting, um, yeah, you could get a three-wheeler um, scooter. Some people, the skateboard, yeah, it's a kind of a thing. S skateboarders don't like scooters in general. It's a bit of a joke. Um, you know, it's not taken too seriously. Uh, but lots of scooter kids in the skate park while the skaters are trying to skate doesn't tend to work too well. That's why the morning's a really good time to go. Um, or a park that is known to be very, you know, user-friendly for the youngsters, the toddlers. Um, and there are parks like that. But yeah, I, that's what I would encourage you to do. If you're ever looking for ways of entertaining your kid and doing something outside that's a bit more engaging for you as well, then yeah, why not? If you're in a city, town, we're in a small village and we have a skate park, they're everywhere. So you may as well go and get involved and um, at least go and check it out and take a look. And don't be afraid of the falling and injuries. You put pads on them, a helmet, and they're pretty good at gauging, you know, their own sort of ability in terms of risk. You have to be there overseeing it, of course. Um, and sometimes I'll hold his jacket if he's doing a drop for the first time. I say drop like it's something epic. It's nothing too crazy. I mean, he's three, three and three months, so... Yeah, I do have to watch him, but you get to see, you get to feel it out pretty quickly. Like where where are they most comfortable? You know, what is too much? And if you're not sure, then yeah, just set the boundaries really tight initially and then let them explore. Um but yeah, it's quite me and I know she won't mind me saying this, um but me me and his mum, uh my wife, she's quite different. She's quite on edge in the skate park. Not her happy place. So if that's you, then yeah, just know, just know that about yourself and maybe it's not the place for you. Um, but if there's a couple of you and one's a little bit more nervous, then yeah, just go and support each other. Um, I tend to probably let him push himself a bit more than his mum would in there. Um, but that's also years of experience in outdoor education. So I'm very used to working with kids in what could be considered risky situations, climbing, canoeing, um, you know, biking and things like that. So yeah, skate parks, I love them. And we had such a good day today. The snow has finally melted so we can really get in there and yeah, have a blast. And no one was there. It was just the two of us. Also, he's sleeping in the next room to me now. Um, so that kind of activity and being outside and lots of fresh air inevitably knocks them out. So if you have kids that bounce off the walls and my boy is definitely like that. Once he's been out and about for a couple hours on his run bike, he's good to go into bed um the other one thing i wanted to share actually which was pretty neat in terms of um my older kid who is overseas and i don't know how many parents listening have kids that they don't see on a day-to-day -day basis but i just wanted to share this because it's a super positive thing that a few days ago i got a i message from my boy so he's eight and a half 
and he is in the UK. I see him in the holidays. We saw him here at Christmas. He's not going to be back here until July. And we're not going to be able to visit him because we're expecting another baby boy in May. Anyway, the other day, and we speak to him several times a week, which is great. And, you know, I just sent him a package, uh, you know, a couple of little presents and a card for Easter. Um, yeah. And so we're just always finding ways of being, you know, staying connected. And one thing we've started doing is meditating together using on YouTube. And I may have mentioned this before, but on YouTube, you can search kids meditation. And there's one particular channel I use, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Anyway, we've done that. We did that in person at Christmas. We've done it a couple of times um, over FaceTime, like probably two or three times on FaceTime. And it's worked really well. It's a really nice way of connecting in a deeper way. Um, and you don't have to be a meditator. I'm not a meditator. Like I'm trying to do more of that, um, you know, calm the mind and, you know, take some space from uh, the busy day. But I'm not very good at it. It's not my thing, I wouldn't say. Um, but I'm giving it a go. And I'm partly inspired by my kid because the other day he messaged me and said can we do a uh, meditation tomorrow and I just thought that's so cool for an eight-year-old to want to meditate with me even though I'm halfway around the world um, it's just showing me and reminding me that we are still really well connected we have a really strong bond and so even though there's distance and over the COVID pandemic there's been yeah lots of distance haven't seen him for months at a time. Um, yeah, we still have that connection. So if you are apart from your kids, that's another, just going to throw it out there. Again, I can't remember if I mentioned this before, but meditation is a cool thing to do with your kids. And the visualizations on YouTube that you can find are really simple and very, very kid-friendly. Um, I don't think you'd have any trouble getting your kid to do it, um, especially if you do it close to bedtime. That's a great way to calm down and yeah, get them settled. And if you do it with them, then that's another really cool experience that you're having together. Um, so yeah, I was really pleased and really chuffed and it really filled my heart knowing that my kid was thinking of me and wanting to do a meditation, even though we haven't seen each other now for, I guess, three months, best part of three months. Um, but yeah, he's still feeling that connection and that bond, which is awesome. So that was a long intro today. Um, but now let's jump into the guest. And the guest today, very interesting. Um, it's a dad called Nathan in the UK who runs a not-for-profit or non-profit called Dad Advocates. He won custody of his three children and he has some great tips for any parent that would be facing potentially going to court to um, figure out a co-parenting agreement, separation plan, however that looks. And yeah, great Great advice for any parent, really. Um, you know, if you're staring down the barrel of a very difficult divorce, separation, and trying to figure out how do I approach this with the kids, I'm a dad, particularly for dads that feel like they may not be given a voice in court. And I think a lot of dads do feel that. And I think there is, can be some truth to that. And so there's some great advice in, advice in here from Nathan. And also a few tips and tricks around a blended family because he does have a blended family. He's remarried now. Um, and I forget, I think he's got five kids in the mix in the house. Um, anyway, he's going to explain all of that. So yeah, it was a very interesting uh, conversation to have with him, given that I've been through that experience in court. So as ever, 
please enjoy. So, hey, Nathan, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today um, from the UK. Uh, yeah, really excited to hear about what you're doing with your dad advocate. Um, that Well, dad advocate is a charity status now, so we're going to jump straight into that. But first, maybe you could just introduce your family and where you are in the world. Okay, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so I'm Nathan, uh, living in the UK in Lincoln. Uh, I've got, well, what can I say? I've got four four children, uh, well, technically five at the minute because I'll go into that. But yeah, I've got three biological children. I've got one stepson who I've got parental responsibilities over. So I've got exactly the same rights as his dad has got. And then we've got custodial of my one-year-old nephew as well. So yeah, five children in the house. Wow. So a blended family, ages one to seven. And yeah. wow, that's a lot. Isn't only it? one of them, only one of them's a girl. All the others are boys. Oh, they're boys, mostly boys. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. The the, the old seven-year-old's a girl and the rest of them is boys. So she's uh, outnumbered. Oh yeah. Does she does that make give her like does she have that nurturing kind of thing where she wants to be involved sometimes with the baby and the other little ones or does she just yeah, go I mean, off and do her own it, thing? Even when she was what three years old, she was trying to change the boys' nappies, but but then but then she's as rough as the others, so she gives it them as good as she gets, basically. Oh, that's good. Um, so you got a house full and you're working. I know you said you're working part-time, uh, because one of your main things now is dad advocates. So could you just tell us what is Dad Advocates and why were you inspired to do it? So uh, so Dad's Advocate is now a charity uh, and we challenge the attitude and barriers for and gender equalities for men. And we also uh, have our own domestic abuse program. Uh, so basically, if a dad's struggling with uh, separation with his child, uh, with the mother, and, you know, he's, he's about to go to court, then we, we help coach them through the process of, you know, getting plans into place what, and try and keep them child focused. Uh, so, so they're not always het up and angry at the mother, but always keep everything child focused. Uh, so it's just about coaching them, uh, getting their attitude, letting, teaching them not to let the emotions get the better of them, if that makes sense. Because you, you go to court and, you know, what I tell everyone, you're a good dad until you separate. And then nine times out of 10, the mum always makes you out to be a bad person because they just take control basically because 99% of the time the child automatically lives with the mum so you're you're so they're always going to stay with the mum unless you've got a good reason that they're not not being a care like do you know what I mean so uh, it's about keeping control of your emotions yeah so yeah that's basically what I do <laughs> that's a big one I think that's so key in the separation is to put the kids first and you're right i think a lot of people the motions get the better of you because that does get personal because the court system seems i don't know your experience but in my experience is set up really to to bash the other parent if that's the route that you want to take we never did i have to say when i say we i mean me and the, my legal team um you know the lawyers that i had over the two-year period that i was in and out and actually we were in court still even was it last year i think the beginning of covid um, so yeah, that's really good that you're putting yourself out there to support dads in that way. Now, would that be something that you would do along in addition or alongside a lawyer that they have? Like it would seem to me to still be a really useful thing to have a dad advocate on your side because lawyers, sometimes they can get caught up in 
the fight you don't want to say they can get very quite obsessive and there's affidavits flying around and yeah yeah i, th- I think the problem is with a lawyer uh i mean i'm not going to bash lawyers because i had one not all the way through my case because i just thought do you know what i mean uh you you're not so in tune with a lawyer but to them you're just a number that's forking out a lot of money you're just paying their their paycheck at the end of the day so i always say to start with you don't really Nine times out of ten, you don't really need a lawyer till later on in the court case, uh, which is what I tell my dads that I work with, because I'm just like, you know, it's not hard to fill in an application to court. It's not hard to write a statement to the judge when he asks for a statement. Just don't waffle on. Uh, so I always say, if you want, if you want to get a lawyer involved, that's fine, and always get always get legal advice because I'm not legally trained. But at the same time, he's not going to teach you how to keep your emotions in check. He's not going to teach you. He's not going to tell you that what the mother's going to do. Because at the end of the day, he's probably dealing with a, a thousand other people at the same time. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true enough. They're juggling lots of different cases, aren't they? Often. For the, yeah, and I would say I had an amazing, I had such a great experience with lawyers. They were all re- always really positive, always child-centered. Um, never, actually the first lawyer, I will say, was like, he said, we never go after the mum. They don't like that. And you know what? You always want to take the high road. Don't attack the mum. And so we didn't take that route. Um, <laughs> I, I could argue now that maybe that was the wrong choice, but I can look back knowing two things. Well, one, I still have a great relationship with my kid and we're very close, even though he's overseas um, day to day. I see him in the holidays. Um, but yeah, and I can look back and yeah. feel okay that he's not going to grow up thinking that I bashed his mum in court, you know, that, yeah, you are in some ways just a number. Because once the case is done, they move on with their life to the next case. You're stuck with that decision that was made in court, whether you appeal or not. Um, it's really hard. So Dan yeah. Advocates, so let's just set your story up. Like, why did you see a need for the dad advocate? Like, what was your experience? Okay, uh, so basically, when oh, a few years ago now, obviously, when I split up with my partner, uh, obviously, she stopped me seeing the kids. I let my emotions get the better of me. Uh, there was no way. I've always said I, I was a good dad, but because my emotions were in the way and I was always fighting with her, I wasn't the best dad to my children. Right. Does that make sense? Do, do you know what I mean? So, and I, and, I, and I just sat there thinking, you know, what, what? What possibly could happen if if I don't go down this route, you know, the children and this, that and the other. And then it was back in the last year, I was like, my story needs to go out there. I've got experience. You know what I mean? I see so many dads now that are giving up. And I was close to giving up myself because you always feel like there's, you're never going to get anything. And I just thought to myself, it's time to give back. It's time to help people. Uh, and if I can give that little bit of help and give some... Give, even if I help one dad, give him a bit of happiness, then I'm done. Yeah, you know I mean, but so it was my wife that pushed me to it. Actually, she was like, "You just need to do it because you're good with people, you've got the experience, you know what you're talking about. Just go, go out there and do it because there is absolutely no one out there that will hand on heart say, "I'll help you out." Do you, do you know what I mean? And uh, and I think that's why we've got a charity status because it's not about the money. Uh, so obviously any money that I get it goes straight back into the pot so I can 
fork out more resources or uh, I'm working with a dad at the minute. He's going to put a program together. He's a fitness coach. So he's putting a program together for me uh, just so I can slip it in a file and say, you know, because obviously your mind is a big key. Mental health is a big key to anything. Uh, so you, you self-care and everything like that. So I was just like, any money I get now just goes straight back in. Are you reaching out and working with other professionals? Yeah, I'm branching out. So uh, obviously you've seen I've, I've done that uh, parenting co-parenting pack. Uh, I had a judge take some time out and work with me on it as well. Hang on, you had a judge. You did you just say you had a judge work with yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. A judge. Wow. Yeah. How did that come about? Just uh, so, <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> I don't. I don't really know. To be fair, uh, I followed a judge on. N- it wasn't the judge from one of your not. It wasn't the judge. No, from no, one no. Of your so cases. Just a random judge I found, uh, and I just told him that this is what I'm doing. Uh, can have you got any advice for me? And he was like, Yeah, let's set up a call. Let's. You know, the, these are some of the key areas that you need to work on. If you work on them, then it all helps out. So, yeah, so, yeah, so, like, and, uh, yeah, I've had the police involved in it as well. They, they've gave me, they've gave me help and advice because, because I see a lot going down the legal route and a lot of the, uh, I'll call it domestic abuse, a lot of the arguments, uh, and they're like, going, look, you, these are the arguments you need to avoid because these are what we see in all the time in civil cases like this. So it was, yeah. So it was nice to get their input into these, the areas that you need to work on as well, because we get called out to all these and they're only civil matters, but them civil matters build up and build up and uh, it could be quite catastrophic. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So uh, I work with the police now. (laughs) I'm just working with everyone I can just to, just to get more help out there, just so that I know that, you, you know, the, these worksheets, these workbooks, these packs, my advice, they're to the best ability that you're ever going to get. Yeah, yeah. I think that's brilliant. I really like the um, the fact that you mentioned the mental health and the fitness stuff, because when I first went through, I, you know, I was getting letters from lawyers left, right and center. And my approach was I actually started running. And because it, it's really hard to get motivated when you got all this stuff kind of piling up on top of you. So yeah. I can see how easy it would be just to sit at home and start drinking or whatever it might be, but not in a positive way. Yeah. So I went so the opposite me, yeah. way to you. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, I, I was at the gym five, six times a week. And then when all this started happening, I went the other way and went from just under 13 stone to seven stone. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. You went down to seven stone. St- seven stone, yeah. It was like a size 28 waist and everything. It's a little bit prehistoric, but in the UK, they still me- measure weight by stone. But it, I think it's 14 pounds. I think that's about right. But seven stone is very, very light. So what what happened? Like, did you go through a period of depression? And like, what did that look like? Yeah, but proper. I was so depressed. I'd literally just go down to the supermarket and I'd buy... Uh, like croissants and I'd have a croissant in the morning that'd be all I'd eat all day I love croissants but I, I couldn't stop at one I'd be eating five or six minimum but then when, when I got in from work I was like my, my kids aren't about my family's not with me so I'd just sit on the sofa uh, and I, I don't I, I think I spent a year and a half just sleeping on my sofa because I'd get in from work and I'd just be like right well this is my life now <laughs> I've, got, I've got nothing 
And so the mum, mum had, so we're, we're backtracking here to, you know, to your story before dad advocates, but when that happened, so the mum had left with the kids, I assume. Yeah. Um, what helped get you, because I think this is an important thing for a lot of dads, any, any listener, mum or dads that are going, or, you know, parents that are going through separation. What shifted things for you? Because you won custody of your three biological kids. But you're on a couch eating one croissant a day, which is thinks is nuts because I would I would be eating ten or twelve. Um, what shifted for you? How did you get out? How did you get off the couch and actually put a plan in? My best mate, my best mate just said, "What are you doing?" I see because my best mate used to live around the corner from where my kids were living, and he said, "What are you doing?" I see your kids more than you do, and I see that. They're not in the best best of shape. Do you know what I mean? I can see what the mum's doing. I mean, I won't I won't get in because I don't like to bash you. Uh, and I was like, mate, you're right. What am I doing? Do you know what I mean? I, I need to be there for my kids. And if I'm not there for my kids, then there's no point at all. So it was either go deeper into depression or just get out there and fight for my kids. So then basically one day, uh, well, I, one, one day I found out that my kids were in the pub with, with the mum uh, I was like do you know what I'm just going to go and see them I'm just going to go to the pub where they are and I'm just going to see them uh, I walked into the pub my son or one of my sons was in the arms of someone that I didn't know and my daughter was just running around with her shoes off just randomly uh, and believe it or not I just walked in picked them up and took them out <laughs> and then I went to my mum's house who lived about 20 minutes away from them and they've never been back since they've stayed with me since that day. Wow. So that, that was the turning point was you walking into that pub and just picking them up just wow. saying, no, these are my kids. I need to see them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, like you say, it's, we won't go down that into that dark hole. Um, it's easy to get caught up there, isn't it? About the X and everything. Yeah. But- but the fact that you managed to get off that couch. So you had, I mean, that's a good point too, isn't it? Like you just have, you need your support group. You need your friends around you. You know how to reach out. Yeah. And that's important, isn't it? Definitely. If you've got a good support group, then you can't go far wrong. Uh, so I, I literally left the area where I used to live because we used to live in like Leicester. Uh, so once we got close to my children, I just moved to Lincoln. We've got a smaller group of friends now, but it's a bigger support network than I had before. Have you ever reached out to or been involved in any way in men's groups? Never, never did. Never did. I mean, I have now. I, I am working with a couple uh, through Dad's Advocates and that. Uh, but beforehand, and I, I didn't think I could uh, because I always thought of. Uh, masculinity type thing. I'd, I'd never admit I had a problem. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's like alcoholics and everything like that. You don't admit you've got a problem because you don't see it as a problem yourself. Uh, so no, I, I never felt like going and sitting in a room with blokes talking about my problems. Because <laughs> No, I think it's fantastic, but I'm, I'm the same. It's really hard to admit that you need help. Yeah. You know? So do you have, like if, if I was a dad coming, I'd heard of dad advocates. Maybe I was listening to this podcast or I saw you on Instagram and I reach out to you 
and I'm going through the early stages maybe of separation or, you know, I'm, I'm in that sort of child custody sort of position maybe. Um, do you have men's groups then that you could send me to or would you offer that kind of support yourself? Yeah, so uh, in the East Midlands area, because obviously the UK is split up to like north, south, east, west. In the East Midlands where we live, uh, I'm in touch with all the men's different groups. Uh, but also I'm happy to lend an ear. I've always said if, if you need some, just 10 minutes just to shout at someone, give me a ring. Do you know what I mean? Because I know how hard it is. to it, Once you keep everything bottled up, at some point you're going to blow. A lot of the abuse charities, a lot of the mental health teams. But then that's another reason why I started the domestic abuse side of Dad's Advocates as well, so we can offer that support. Let's jump into, yeah, a couple of key pieces of the Dad Advocates. Um, and one that you've just put out recently, which I'd like to touch on, because I think it's so key when you're going through separation, is the co-parenting plan. You did already, we already touched on it. You said that you've had a judge involved looking over the co-parenting plan and some of the key features that they would want to see as judges, which is incredibly useful. Um, and as well as, you know, you've been engaging, engaging with the police as well. Um, so what, tell us about the co-parenting plan. You, the father, will come to me and say, you know, I'm interested in this pack. We need to get a co-parenting plan put together. You'll go down the list and there's like 30 pages in this of what are, what are things that you will not budge on? Like your birthday, you want to see them on your birthday, Father's Day. Uh, and we'll go through all things like that. Like what happens during the summer holidays? Uh, who's, in, who's in charge of the passport? Who's emergency contact if anything happens? So we work through everything so that you've got things in your list that what what your idea of contact with your child or children will be. Uh, and then there's there's even an email template in there to send that to your ex-partner to say, look, I've been working so-and-so, been working with dad's advocates. We, we kind of know we need to have a plan put together because the court, the court will ask for one anyway. Here, here's what I suggest. <clears throat> And then they'll, they'll fill in the other half and then you can go through it and say, well, we agree on these points. So, you know, they will set in stone. They're good because we both agree on it. And then either you can negotiate on the other parts. I've negotiated for some people in the past or you can go to the judge and say, these are just the things that we don't, will not agree on. Uh, and then they'll make the decision. Obviously, when, when you go to court, uh, you, you know from yourself that <coughs> they've got to keep a child focused and it's always about the best interest of the child and obviously both mum and dad want as much time with the child as possible so if, you, if you're if you going in there with a plan already in place even if the mother's not agreed to anything if, if you put your plan in place they will see that you're not being unreasonable and that's what it's all about if, if you show that your child focused and you're reasonable but then it's a lot better for you. And it's a lot, do you know what I mean? It just makes the whole process a lot easier. hundred percent. I had, um, I didn't have the, I did not have the best experiences in Canada um, with the court, but going to the UK um, and always being child focused, but still, you know, it's, it's very much weighted with, the, uh, you know, towards the mum, as you said already. Um, but yeah, I found the UK court when we were really focused on an, because 
this is an international custody, a co-parenting yeah. plan, right? Not easy. So unless you have the kid day to day, yeah, it's holidays. So we work really hard at trying to figure out what, what was a fair and equal plan that gave our kid generous access to me in Canada, um, but also split the holidays equally between us, which is fair. It's, I mean, it's frustrating because I feel like I should have more of the holidays because I don't see him for like months at a time. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I definitely, yeah, what you say really resonates with me. Like they want to see that you're child focused. Like that's what they want to see. They don't want to hear he said, she said, and hear no. all of your emotional, all the complaints you've had, you know, over this, that or the other. It's got to become from the kid, unless there's safety issues involved, I guess. Oh, yeah, unless there's safety issues. But other than that, if, if you, like I said, if you've gone in with that plan, then hands down, you, you're going to look, get looked up better than you would if you're going, she's this, she's that, she's the other, which nine times out of ten happens. It happened with me when I first went to my third court case. I was like, I look back at it now and I think, what was I doing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because my emotion was so high when I even had two non-molestation orders against my ex because of the abuse and the harassment and everything. And they were still saying, eh, well, you know, I don't see an issue with her. I'm like going, but she's this, she's that, she's the other. And then I'm like going, step back, step back. It's not about them. It's about the children. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's I'm not saying you forget about it. It's just the emotions because you're so worked up. hundred percent. And I think it's making me think right now, like a couple of key pieces when you start going through a separation is number one, take care of your mental health, go running, go to the gym, find friends that you can lean on and call dad advocates, you know, and get, find an ear that you can bend to vent yourself and then focus on getting a co-parenting plan. Cause we did that really early on. I, I decided like, well, we were, I think we were, st- we were, we were cohabiting. We weren't together. We were cohabited for about a year. At some point during that year, I said, right, we need a co-parenting plan because we think we're not going to be living together. So we need to shift into this, you know, make sure that he adjusts really, you know, that it's a seamless adjustment for him being handed over from one parent to the next. And so for me, that co-parenting plan, I think, set us up for success with our kid because he never had an issue going from one parent to another. And we were 50-50 at that point because we both lived in the same country. And um and yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Co-parenting plans, like it's just a no-brainer. Yeah, we've got a co-parenting program. I'm working on another couple of programs after this one, separating from a narcissist program, and I'm do- doing. And then after that, I'm doing a dealing with the family court system program as well. So what when you say a program? So you got a co-parenting program. You're looking at these other ones. Is that how do I get that program? Is this like a weekly course? Is it just a manual? Like, what does a what does a program consist of? If you go on the website, you can either buy the packs, and you'll just get all the paperwork with you. So, it's self self taught, self reading, self evaluating type thing. Uh, but obviously, if you want that extra bit of support, where we'll work through it either weekly, bi weekly, monthly, whatever suits suits you, then. Uh, we can do that over a Zoom call, telephone call. Uh, and we, we split it up into, I think each pack, if, if you did it as a program, I think it's about six sessions, basically. So six, one, one and a half hour session, about 90 minutes session. And we can work through it properly and talk you through it and explain in more detail about all the parts of it. Uh, 
but you can, like I said, you can buy the packs separately, which are just, they're really easy to, to read through. Uh, and I'm also doing videos to go with it as well. So, um, and this, yeah, and again, this is a co-parenting plan that worked for you with, and now you've had, because you've won custody of your kids, your three kids. Um, and then as well, you've got the judge looking in on it. Did you see that? It's also the police as well. I also work with social services as well. I can't go into specific details, but they ring me and say, we've got a dad that needs help. Uh, unless you help him keep his emotions in check, then they're going to turn into a perpetrator and we weren't allowed to see his children. So now they're sending people to me saying, look, you need to help him out. Uh, so that's really good as well, that the social services and CAFCAS are out there saying, let's get you some help so you can see the children, which when I was going through the process, I never had social services offering me help. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's good now that, I think that spurred me on a bit more as well because they're like going, there's someone out there now that we can lean on and get the help because at the end of the day, they're human as well. They, they don't want to stop you seeing the, your child. But unfortunately, if you're that mentally unstable because of your emotions, that they can't allow you to see children. And that's a heartbreaking thing. And I think that's why people like social services and cast pass, they get a bad name. But they, they, they can only judge what they see. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Which, um, so that's not something that exists here. Could you just explain what, and I know we, I do, we do have listeners in the UK, um, more and more so. So could you just explain what is CAFCAS in, in the UK? I would say, so CAFCAS is a court appointed social worker, uh, that here in the UK, you go to court, uh, there's, they always ask for you to do a section seven report. Uh, and they'll go out and they'll talk to the mum about all the issues that have gone on, what they expect. They talk to the dad and then they, they kind of judge your attitudes towards each other. They they play a big part in court on saying who gets to see the child, uh, how often they get to see them. Oh, because I know they do a report for the court before you even get in there as parents to talk about whatever you're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but do they go that far? They actually suggest what the visitation should be and that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they, they tell the judge what should happen. Oh, interesting. So the judge will go on, the judge will go on what CAFCAS or social services say. If they say the dad only should see them once a month in a contact centre, the judge will say that's what's going to happen. Can you influence that by having a parenting plan and that sort of positive approach? Yes. 100% is because it's because I always tell my dads always about child focus that they they look for key words and key sentences uh, so I always say to my dad the dads I always say as long as you say to them at some point the child needs to see both parents I know that or my main when they start talking about the mother just say I'm not here to talk about her it's about my children and that's what they look for because they know that you've not got that much animosity towards the other parent. Uh, so that's a big key. They're big key words to be saying to local authorities, especially when they have a big influence on your time you get to spend with your child. Because I, I mean, when I remember the first time uh, the social worker came out to my house and the, the ex was there and the kids were in there. And she was just trying to talk to us and say, you know, you need to be child focused. 
And I remember at this point, the ex was all about the money, all about, I need more money for my children, blah, blah, blah. And at one point, and I remember I stood up in front of my children and I shouted at the ex-missus and the kids didn't even flinch. And the social worker was like, this is not normal behaviour. If your kids aren't flinching because you've shouted, they're obviously used to that environment. So then that's more like, uh, it's not a good idea for you to be around children because you're showing a lot of violence. I was like, I'm not a violent person. She just knows how to push my buttons. And that's when I had to take a step back and think, no, do you know what? She's right. I'm, I'm letting her get the better of me. And my children are seeing things that they shouldn't be seeing. They shouldn't see shouting and arguments. They shouldn't see violence. At the end of the day, at, at that time, they were only like two years old. And you know it. If you're that little, if you hear a loud noise, you're going to jump. But they didn't even flinch. They didn't even batter an eyelid. And that was another turning point in my head saying, this ain't right for the children either. Because, yeah, if, I, if, if we shout in our house, our kid freaks out. He doesn't like it. Yeah, exactly. They're like, no, what's going on? But yeah, no, they didn't even, didn't even batter an eyelid. Wow. So, you know, so like even then the, the social workers were like, it's not a good idea you've been on your own with your children. I was like, but I'm a good dad. Wow, it's crazy how they can turn it like quite fast like that. And in yeah. some cases, maybe that is the case. I don't know, you know, it's not for me to say, but um, in your case, clearly it wasn't. Um, yeah, no, I think, it, yeah, again, bringing it back to the kid. That's why the the co-parenting plan, I think, and having a guide to do that is interesting because I so agree with that. There's some things you can always agree on, uh, like sharing Christmases, you know, let's split Christmases. Yeah. So, you know, they always have time. Unfortunately, I don't get either Father's Day or my birthday because his holidays don't align with those dates and I mean, he's in another country. We, we but... never have Christmas Day on Christmas Day. Do you not? No, because because I've got the stepson, we always let his dad have Christmas Day. And we always do Christmas Day a couple of days later. And that's really good because you're, yeah, you're adapting to the situation. It's like a birthday. Often I've celebrated my kid's birthday on a different day. But it's still a celebration. Yeah. He still remembers the party that we had. He probably, exactly. in years to come, forgets what day that actually happened. He just knows it was his birthday party, you know? Yeah, I mean, luckily enough, like, the kids are still young, so they don't really know what day Christmas Day is anyway. But yeah. we always say, we always say, Santa will come to you when, he, when the other one's back because he's spending time with his dad. So he's going to come back and make a special Christmas for you. Obviously, we, we put like a stocking out on Christmas Eve for them. So they've got a little something on Christmas Day. Well, Santa's very, he's hes magical, isn't he? So he, he can be, he's very adaptable, I find like that. Yeah, is it that they think he's my best mate. So it's all good fun. <laughs> yeah, keep it, keep in tight with Santa. That's good. That's a good, yes. good plan. Um, Co-parenting plan. Let's talk about the, you mentioned to me, but you've done a domestic abuse victim course. Hard to imagine that men are subject to domestic abuse so let's just start there like what do you have any stats on that so yeah so one in three men are domestically abused uh either mentally physically emotionally financially one in three men are abused by their partner so and you say how many how many people actually talk about this like how many do we know that so it's on average of 15% of males talk about the abuse uh, it, just to a friend. 15% of all males will talk about it. Other than that, they won't. And 
only 4.4% will actually get help for it. So even out of that 15%, only 4.4% of that will physically ask for the help that they need. So, you know, it's a big area and it's a big subject to be touching on. So what is a what is a domestic abuse victim course look like? We can have a joint group sessions or one-to-one. We'll sit down, we'll talk about what abuse is. Uh, we'll uh, show you the signs of abuse. Uh, it's, like, it's like a mental rehabilitation programme. So that you will not, 99% of the time, you will not go back into an abusive relationship in the future. Because if you, what you tend to do is you get stuck in a rook where you'll leave one abusive relationship and you'll go to another abusive relationship. And that will just continue and continue to continue until you can physically see the signs before it happens. So we, we, we put a pack together because in, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but in the UK, there's a programme for female victims of abuse. But they will always say that men are the perpetrators. Uh, so I looked onto a freedom. It's called the Freedom Programme Act. It was made in 1996, I believe. And there's two, there's two areas. There's one for the females and one for the males. So I brought both packs and I was like, oh, I'll read that, you know. And it, the female version was men are abusive, men are idiots, watch out for men. <laughs> so I thought, well, obviously the, the male pack's going to be the same. So I opened the male pack and it was male are the perpetrators, males are abusive, you need to stop. <laughs> I was like, what? That's the messaging. Wow. Yeah, so there's a big stigma around it's just men that are the perpetrators and abusive, but it really isn't. Uh, so I'm out there, and obviously you see a lot more uh, of men's groups going around and t- telling you it's okay not to be okay type thing. And I was like, but there's still no programs out there for rehabilitation. Who's who's going to teach these blokes what a sign of domestic abuse is? Uh, so I was like, dad's advocates will. <laughs> that's advocates will so let's get out there that's brilliant no it's really interesting because you're right even as you say domestic abuse like i have a hard time imagining it being being a male but at the same time as you were just talking i remember reaching out because it was an international situation reaching out to a hague convention lawyer um i had to respond to something and i didn't know how to do that so i reached out to a hague convention lawyer um and just, it was very brief, just to get some basic advice. Oh, no, it was to do with the visitation plan agreement um, yeah, yeah. for her taking our kid overseas. Once I realized that she wanted to move back, I was I got nervous about her going overseas with our kid, of course, um, because we had to figure things out here because this is where we were living. Um, and she said to me, that hate convention lawyer said to me, um, and I, I don't want to say that this is in relation to my partner, but she did say that, women in these sort of situations that they want to have custody and they want to move away, whatever um, they do. And she's like, cause I have these clients, they're my clients. I can tell you, generally speaking, they will lie. They will make out that a situation is very different to how it actually is. Um, yeah, yeah. Because whatever reason, right. They'll have their reasons, but yeah. So it's interesting that therefore it's always again, put, put on the man, that it's the man in the wrong. Yeah. Well, a lot of time in like the UK, Obviously, if when you're going through the court process, if a female says they've been abused, they can get what's called legal aid, where the government will pay their solicitor's fees. But you've got to prove you, you've been domestically abused. So a lot, I'm not saying all women, but a lot will spin the truth 
just to help get that legal aid so they haven't got to fork out for money. And I would say too, actually, I just want to jump in there. I feel like this idea of spinning the truth is something that either a mum or a dad will be, will end up doing, but just because of the way the system is built up, you know, you're trying to win in front of a judge that doesn't know you and you've got the lawyers involved in this. I just feel like there's the lawyers are always trying to spin your story just in the way that the media spins stories to try and get a certain narrative to be. Just to pull on them heartstrings, yeah. So how, like aside from all this dad advocate stuff that you're doing, you do have kids. So blended family with four kids, one to seven years old, but one of those kids actually, so five kids you have right now in care as your nephew. How are you juggling that? Like how, as parents, what, how does, what does that look like week to week? A mess. <laughs> That's what it looks like. A mess. <laughs> so, you know, no, we are, very regiment, very routine, uh, because we have to be, because uh, we've got three that are in school, but they're at different schools because one of, one of them's autistic, so he has to go to a different school, keeping separate from the others. And then we've got the other two at Childminders, just because, obviously, we both need to work, but they also need routine. So, you know, it's like you get up at 7 o'clock, your breakfast, your teeth clean, your clothes on, you read your school book before school, and that is the regiment every morning. You get in from school, you have your snack, you put your shoes away, you put your coats away, <laughs> you read the book, <laughs> bath time, it's bedtime, you know what I mean? Everything is so regiment. Routine is so key, isn't it? Routine is the biggest key and the biggest factor in anyone's life. If you've not got routine, then you just hear there everywhere else and you'll never get on top of anything. Well, it is Valentine's Day. So question for you, in that routine, where do you and the missus fit in? We don't. <laughs> that is, honestly, that's one of the common themes I'm starting to notice with dads when I ask yeah. about that one. Some dads are really good at it, but I would say 80% and I'm just picking that out of nowhere. Uh, but it does seem that like most dads, or couple, I should say couples, it's not on the dad. It's like both couples are just like, yeah. You're just sort of floating and surviving. To be fair, by eight o'clock at night, we are saying this is when phones go down and we're going to spend at least an hour, even if it's just watching EastEnders on the TV or a TV programme that we want to watch. You know, as long as we're getting eight o'clock, that's when we've, we're sat down, we're chilled out, the phones are down for at least an hour. I mean, because we're both very busy anyway. Uh, but then we also choose... One day a week where we do no work at all. We take both take a day out and we'll just go out for lunch. Uh, and it's normally on a Thursday. We'll just say, right, Thursday, that is when all the kids are at school. That is our day to have our time. Like I said, even if it's just a walk down the river or out for lunch or she's big on social media and that. So she's like, right, we've got to get all these reels done. So we'll just go to the field and take photos and yeah, do you know what I mean? Oh, so yeah, so that's basically what we do. We pick one day a week and that is our time. That's actually really good because you're actually consciously turning off the phone every night yeah. at eight. That's good. Because that makes sure that you connect, doesn't it? Yeah, like yeah. Otherwise, you're always reaching for the phone, checking the next message or your Facebook, whatever. And then you're actually taking a day. Is that every week? You get a day together? Every week, yeah. Every week. 
Oh, there you go. You are. You're doing it. Yeah, every, every, that's pretty good. Because otherwise, I mean, we, we went we went through the whole thing where you know we'll, we'll just get time where we can, and it doesn't work. You go from one month to the next and realise, do I know the person sat next to me? And the answer is no. Yeah, you be- you just become you're cohabiting at that point. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You have to schedule it in. And 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 I learned that from Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg, the Hollywood actor. He, he, he has a date night every Thursday night. Him and his wife have a date night. So I was like, no, that, that's what we're going to do. We, we need a day, an afternoon where, you know, that is our time, regardless of what happens in life. Yeah, 100%. Like I said, it, even, even if it is just sit down on the bed and just chill because we've had an exhausting week yeah. and we'll just get a load of chocolate biscuits and just stack out watching films in bed. As long as we're doing that, we're happy. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah, we try and do it. Well, I'm not very good at it. We haven't been as good recently, but games night is one thing. Turn off the phones and just do a yeah. games night. We should get back on that. We've, we got, I got to be honest, we got into, um, I don't know why, Downton Abbey of all shows. And uh, we, <laughs> we just got sucked into it. So it's like every night, like that's our one, our one show. But we try and do more than that because I think watching TV sometimes is, you know, it's like you say, walking down to the river, just like getting out, doing something, going for lunch. Yeah. Like so you actually get to talk and check in with each other. I think so key. Yeah. Just, just forget, just forget what's going on around you. Like I said, just scheduling, even if it's just bi-weekly or something, just once a month even, where you say the 15th of every month, that is the day that we're going to go and we're just going to turn everything off and say, forget the world, we're, do, we're going to do something. Yeah. Uh, even just going for a drive. Just go for a drive. And we've often done that. We've ended up going 100 miles and getting a bag of chips and then coming back. Well, it's nice. It is nice to get out of the bubble of your home and the general routine of the, the day-to-day, isn't it? Yeah. It's like just change of scene is really good. And um, yeah, good for you. So root, I'm getting routine and scheduling things in. Two key parts. And that's because my wife, she lives by diaries on top of diaries. She, she can tell you everything we've got planned for the next year. And if that plan changes, she comes down on me like no man's business. <laughs> See, you dra- I'll be dragged kicking and screaming into, uh, into a planner like that. But it is actually, it makes a lot of sense. And even yeah. you know, later in life now, I can kind of start to appreciate a bit more. And actually, for the first time, I calendared a dinner date with another couple, with a family, another family. We're going to go for dinner next week. It was me that did it. I actually, I actually put that in my calendar quite proud of myself but even that thing too like connecting with other with other families you know just just getting social right um so i'm gonna leave you with one last question and we probably touched on this a few times depending on what you say to this but what advice would you have to other dads when they're about to become a parent you know any dads that are like at the early stages maybe they're you know they're expecting i'm expecting a child in may but this is my third, so I've been around the block at this point. But yeah, if there was one piece of advice maybe you could whisper to yourself before you became a dad, what would it be? Don't do it. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, what advice? Ask for advice. Always ask for advice because you, you, look, you, you don't go through life without asking for advice. You start a new job. You need to be trained. Uh, you go to the gym, you need advice on how to work the machinery or how to lift the weights because if you don't, you're going to have an accident. Always ask. Don't be scared to reach out. 
that that's that's my thing. Reach out. I think I'd say reach out. Don't be scared to reach out. That's right. I actually really like that because the way that you put it in the context of when you start a job or when you go to the gym and you don't know, you, t- you know, it's it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you, you'll always see, you'll always see a new mum. She'll go down to the shop and she'll buy all these mum books. I'm about to be a mum. They they tell you diggly swap. Ask the one with experience because they'll tell you how hard it is. They'll tell you what you need to be doing or looking out for. Uh, and it's the same with anything in life. Reach out. You know what I mean? If you're going to be a new dad, reach out. Mental health, reach out. Anything, just reach out. Ask someone. Don't be scared to ask. Ask for help. Yeah, ask for help. I think it's good. 100%. Or we'll listen to this podcast because we've got loads of great dads coming on talking about their stuff. But yeah, no, I think it's a good point. I did not do that when I was a dad early on. I didn't at all. I didn't ask other dads for advice and help. I Google stuff at best. <laughs> Google the bane of my life. <laughs> ask for help. Well, ask dad advocates for help. If you could go back. Ask, ask, come to dad's advocates. That's the thing. There you go. Yeah, definitely. Come to dad's advocates. I'll tell you everything. <laughs> well, Nathan, it's so good to chat to you. I follow you on Instagram. So any listeners out there, I'll put some um, links in the show notes. And I'm really impressed, actually more than I thought I would be, if I'm honest, about these plans that you're putting in, like the domestic abuse one, the course, um, your co-parenting plan. Remind me of the other ones. Just give us a quick rundown. Uh, separating from a narcissist plan. Separating from a narcissist. And dealing with family court. Dealing with family court, as well as the domestic abuse and the co-parenting. Yeah, I've got a book coming out. I've got two books. I'm writing two books as well. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. Way to turn a difficult situation into um, something positive to share with other dads. That's great. So, Nathan, thank you so much. I know I heard the kids in the background and you're eight hours ahead of me. So you're coming up to dinner time, I think. Bath time, something. Yeah, yeah. Did it. No, what, what, one of them's got a coronavirus. <laughs> so he, he's shielding away from everybody else. I think he's getting a bit fed up. <laughs> well, I hope he's I hope he's coping OK with that. I've given him the laptop. He can watch Netflix. He's happy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <But yeah. laughs> Perfect. Okay, mate. Well, take care. And um, yeah, we'll see you. We'll be in touch. Yeah, definitely. Keep in touch. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely loved it. Thanks, man. All right. We'll take care. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please do share and subscribe and leave a rating or an even better, a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dab Without Borders and a full list of episodes can be found at dabwithoutborders.com. Thanks for supporting the show and we'll see you next time.